Well, we're glad you're here today. I'll be honest, on Memorial Day, I'm glad anybody's here today. Um, I hope you enjoyed our ensemble. I, I thought that we did all right for, uh, for that. And, uh, you know, used to, I was telling the guys in the prayer ministry this morning, years ago, um, even as a, as a pastor, and, and my pastor uh, was this way, and even early on, and when I assumed the pastorate here, I was this way, that I would, man, I would just do everything but cuss about people being gone on Memorial Day weekend. It was like, come on, people, what are you thinking? And, uh, you know, it's a good thing, I told the guys this morning, it's a good thing Facebook wasn't a thing back then, because I would I would have went on a rant that would have never ended about uh, about people being gone on the holiday and just going off on that. And I, I threw in that towel a long time ago. And, uh, you know, finally God hit me on the head and said, listen, knucklehead, um, those people serve me 50 weeks out of the year. Give them a couple of Sundays. And uh, so I'm glad that you're here and praying for those that are gone, that to God would bring them back home safe. And uh, now let me just tell you, if you're a guest here today and you plan on coming back next Sunday, um, let me just, a couple of things. Number one, we're starting at 1030, not 1045. And we're, it's the beginning of our vacation Bible school. So just in case you walk in and it looks like a circus in here, it, it's fixing to be on. From Sunday to Wednesday, we'll have, any, we'll have somewhere around 1,500 kids parade through here. And it's going to be a circus. It's going to be a great time. This is not, I've told our folks, this is not your grandma's Bible school. We're not going to peel the labels off the green bean can and then put popsicle sticks around it and make mama a, a, a pencil holder okay this is not your grandma's bible school this is grandma like on energy drinks okay this is grandma on steroids this is this is grandma 2017 and uh it's a blast brother andrew linder was our children's pastor here for 14 years he's coming back and he's going to be hosting our vacation Bible school again, and he, I'm telling you, you will enjoy it as much as any kid in here next Sunday morning, and he will hold your attention, he will, there will be hundreds of kids in here next Sunday morning, and he will hold their attention the entire time, he is absolutely incredible, and uh, so just, just that a little, uh, a little heads up about uh, next Sunday, let's get into today, John chapter 15, Turn there with me if you would please here at Fellowship. We've been uh, studying uh, the book of John on Sunday mornings, uh, just taking it uh, the best we can, verse by verse. And uh, here's the thing about preaching through a book of the Bible, you can't skip the hard stuff. Uh, it becomes pretty obvious, uh, preacher, that's not where we left off last week. Yeah, but that one's a little touchy, I don't want to go there, so we're going to go. You can't do that. You're going to preach through the Bible verse by verse then you just got to take them as they come and preach them as they are. And it's a whole lot easier to preach topically because then you can, you can hit all the little touchy-feely things and uh, just be a hero every week and, and everything's great. But some weeks you just, can't, you just can't do that. And I don't know how this will fall uh, on your heart today. Um, really, that's not up to me. That's up to God. That's up, up to the Holy Spirit. But we're going to do our best to be faithful uh, to the word today, beginning here in John chapter 15, and, and we're going to pick up 
our study in verse 18, and as we do, um, it's not going to be very difficult for you to clue in on the theme of the message this morning. Look at it, verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, wherefore the world hateth you. Verse 23, he that hateth me hateth my father also. Verse 24, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. And verse 25, they hated me without a cause. Any idea what the theme is here this morning? Hate. Thus the title, haters going to hate. Now listen, this theme is really somewhat surprising because all throughout the upper room discourse, which is what we've been studying of late, Jesus has talked a lot about love. As a matter of fact, we closed out our study last time with verse 17 where Jesus said this, These things I command you that ye love one another. And so while Jesus wanted the disciples to have this, this, this intense and, and uh, desirous love for one another as brothers in Christ, he was also realistic with them and let them know that while I want you to love each other, just, just be, be it known to you guys that not everybody out there is going to love you. As a matter of fact, he said, there are going to be many who hate you. And there are even going to be some who are going to persecute you. And we know from church history that 11 of the 12 disciples, or excuse me, 10 of, of the 11, or 11, I'll say it, the 11 of the 12, they elected another one in the book of Acts, 11 of those men died as martyrs. They were persecuted for the cause of Christ. And so what Jesus is teaching these men here, he's teaching them to prepare them for their life. Now, we hear a lot today about haters. Tim Tebow, who is probably one of the largest targets that there is for haters, simply because of his unapologetic stand for Jesus Christ, said this, no matter what happens, you're always going to have those critics and those haters. You just have to learn how to deal with that. I think I have and accept that. Now, I would venture to guess that there are none of us here now and probably will never be as big a target for the world, for haters, as Tim Tebow is. But nonetheless, if we make a conscious decision to live our life for Jesus Christ based upon the principles of this book, then we're going to have our share of haters. And so that's what I want to try and help you deal with today are those who don't understand you. They don't get you. And you are the target many times at the family reunion, at uh, some of you may be the target this afternoon because you're having a big family picnic and you chose to come to church. They don't get that. You may be the target. You may be the target at work. You may be the target in the locker room. You may be the target elsewhere. 
because people don't get you they don't understand you and we'll get into all of that throughout the course of the message but I have five things I want to try to give you as quickly as I possibly can how to deal with haters number one don't be surprised don't be surprised look at it again verse 18 Jesus said he's talking to the disciples he said this if the world hates you just remember that it hated me long before it ever hated you now I'm not sure honestly if that's what I would have expected Jesus to say here I'm thinking that that maybe he would have said something more like this if the world hates you then you need to try harder if the world hates you then you need to love more if the world hates you then you need to follow me better but that's not what he said Jesus didn't say hey fellas listen if the world hate you get out there and the world starts hating on you then you need to fix it that's not what he said here's what he said you need to live with it you need to live with it because it hated me before it hated you I think sometimes as Christians we live under this illusion that if that if we just love people more and if we just live the way that we're supposed to live then then we're not going to have anybody hate us and then it just blows us plumb out of the water when it doesn't turn out that way but let's not forget that Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 26 woe unto you when all men speak well of you for so did their fathers to the false prophets reality check here if everyone thinks you're awesome as a Christian that's not good news let me say that again if everybody thinks you're awesome as a Christian that's got that's not good news Jesus didn't even get that I can't say it better than he did look at it again if the world hate you you know that it hated me before it hated you Jesus used the word hate eight times in our text so let's take a moment and, and try to get a working definition of what we're talking about here with respect to hate it is to feel extreme aversion for or extreme hostility toward let me say that again it is to feel extreme aversion for or extreme hostility toward so hate is stronger than dislike hate is not like well we just don't have good chemistry no it goes beyond that what Jesus is talking about here and what I'm talking about this morning goes beyond that it, it's stronger than distrust it's more than well we just don't have a good history together no 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 understand what I'm talking about this morning hate is extreme feelings of hostility towards someone it is a desire to do them harm in some way it doesn't necessarily have to be physical harm but it is a desire to do them harm in some way and Jesus says this it will be the lot of every Christian who strives to live an all-in life for Jesus at some point we're gonna have to deal with it so don't be surprised the second thing that I would tell you from our text verse 19 confirm the sources 
All right, stay with me. Confirm the sources. Verse 19. If he were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. John uses the word world nearly 60 times in his gospel. And he uses it in reference to three different entities. Sometimes when we read the word world in the gospel of John, he's referring to people. That would be the seven and a half or four billion people who populate um, this earth, which is another way that John uses the word world. Sometimes he's referring to people. Sometimes he's referring to this planet, this big ball of, uh, of gas and, and water and dirt and all of that. The created earth, the created planet, the created world. So people, sometimes he's talking about the planet, but then sometimes he's talking about a philosophy, the world's philosophy, the world's system. It's a, it's a way of thinking and behaving that is in sharp contrast to the teachings of the Word of God. And so it's important when we read through the Gospel of John that we understand the usage of the word so that we can properly interpret a verse or a passage of verses. So let's go back and look at verse 19 again and understand it this way. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the philosophy, the way of thinking, if you were like them, the world, the people would love his own. So... Jesus said, if you shared this world's philosophy, if you thought the way they thought, and if you lived the way they lived, then the people of this world would love you. They would embrace you. But because you're not of the world, the philosophy, but I have chosen you out of the world, planet slash philosophy, therefore the world, people, hate you. So it's because of your stand, listen, it's because of your stand for Jesus Christ and against the world's philosophy or the world's way of thinking and living, which, by the way, are totally incompatible. It's because you choose to stand for Jesus Christ and stand against the world that you are hated by the people of the world. Now, time out. I want to make sure that you understand something this morning, and this is going to be pretty straightforward, and it's going to be pretty blunt. But I, want, I don't want any, any mistake here this morning. I want you to understand this. We're talking about confirming the source of the hatred. And we're not talking just about the who, not just about who it's coming from, but we're talking about why it's coming haters in the context of this passage of scripture and thus in this message this morning are defined as people who live by this world's philosophy and despise you because you live for Jesus are we clear on that that's what we're talking about when I say haters I'm talking about those people who choose to despise you because you live according to the word of God. So in that case, 
Haters are not people who despise you because you're difficult to work with. Yeah, but I work with a bunch of haters. My boss, yeah, he's a hater. Well, yeah, that could be, but it has absolutely nothing to do with you being a Christian. It has to do with the fact that you're always late. And it's because you're lazy once you do get there. Amen. I told you you're going to be a little blunt, but it is what it is. Those aren't the haters I'm talking about this morning. Okay? The fact that those people in leadership above you are always hating on you, it could very well be has nothing to do with the fact that you're living for Jesus. It's because you got an attitude. Because you're stubborn. And you're prideful. And you're arrogant. Which, by the way, are all sins. Come on. So if somebody's hating on you because you have an attitude or you're stubborn and you're prideful and you're always bucking leadership, that's not the haters we're talking about this morning. Now we can deal with that if you want to. There's plenty of Bible to deal with that, but that's not the focus of today's message. Are we still friends? Well, my family, they're all haters. That could be because you're annoying. You're that guy at the reunion. You are that lady at the reunion. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Well, people are always hating on me. That's not what we're talking about. Well, I need some help with that. Well, you're not going to get it today. Come back. And maybe we can deal with, with that kind of stuff. But listen, I don't want you to go away from Yeah, man, people are always hating on me at work. Well, if it's because you're stubborn and prideful and arrogant, that's nothing to boast about. Here's what Jesus wants you to do about that. He wants you to change. He wants you to be the kind of Christian that you ought to be. Well, there are people down at the city, there are people down at the gas company, there are people in the hospital, they're always hating on me. That's because you're not paying your bills. Which, by the way, is not a good testimony for a Christian. So those aren't the haters that we're talking about this morning. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about hatred that we bring on ourselves because of our own sinful behavior. If we're going to act the fool, then we need to be treated that way. And we need to get our heart right and we need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm living in a way that is inconsistent with this book. And I'm not being hated. I'm not being persecuted. I'm getting what I deserve. All right, these folks are smiling over here. Well, these folks over here aren't smiling too much. Are we on the same page? I just want to make sure we're talking about confirming the source. Where is this coming from? Is it coming because I'm living for Jesus Christ? Is it because I'm trying to live according to the Word of God and the principles of the Bible? Or is it because I'm a knucklehead? Two totally different sermons right there. Now, what is the world's philosophy? Well, I've touched on it a little bit. It's things like living for me. 
putting me first. It's about me. The world's philosophy says if it feels good, do it, and if you can live with it the next morning, then it's all okay. The world's philosophy is, is that of uh, Frank Sinatra. Some of you old folks help me with this. I did it. My. My way. Just came on me. I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> the staff's over here going, oh, jeez. Brother Mike, I think you're the one that put them little things together on Facebook. Let's put that on there, okay? Oh, there you go. I'll pose for the picture afterwards, all right? The world's philosophy, we're talking about a, a king me attitude. It's my life, and I'll live it the way I want to live. That's not the way of the Christian. The way of the Christian is, I'm not king anymore. I'm not boss anymore. I'm not in charge of my life anymore. I don't call the shots in my life anymore. I don't draw the boundaries anymore. The boundaries have been drawn. And I've got a new king in my life. And I've got a new, a new leader on the throne of my heart. And I no longer bow to my own whims and wishes. I now bow to the wishes of my King Jesus. And I now live my life the best I can, the way he wants me to live it. And when you take that philosophy of life, it's going to run counter to many, many people around you and it's not going to set well with them especially if you're the ones you use if they're the ones you used to run with i'll talk about that more in a minute so haters are people who despise your allegiance to jesus and your rejection of this world's philosophy verse 19 again if you're of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, and I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Look at it. If you were of the world, that is, in their way of thinking and living, then they would love you. And so that means if, 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 if you're liberal in your thinking and, 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 and in your morality, everything goes, it's okay if he marries him and she marries her and they do this and they do that and they act this way and they act that way. And if you're good with that as a Christian, then listen, the world's going to, man, you're awesome. I wish all Christians were like you. That's not the word. I'm sorry. But that's not the word of the Lord. And if you're going to choose to stand for something, you're going to pay a price. At some point, there's going to be a cost. When you choose to live all in for Jesus, there's going to be some hate. And it might even rise to the level that we're talking about, where people would want to do you harm. And if that's the reason that you have to deal with that stuff, then so be it. Good on you. And God will give you grace to deal with that. And don't be surprised when it happens. 
And make sure you confirm the source. Make sure that what's coming against you is not something that you brought up on yourself. Number three, lower your expectations. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. How many of you would be honest enough this morning and raise your hand and say, Pastor, I like to be liked. Come on. Okay, how many of you are lying because your hand's not up? be straight up honest with you i like to be liked i'm gonna be ashamed of that i want people to like me i want my church family to like me i want my own family to like me i want people in our community to like me i like to be liked but here's what i know that in my own life if that becomes too great a desire for me then i'm going to have some problems Jesus tells me in this passage, listen, you need to lower your expectations. Because you're no greater than I am. You're no better than I am. And if people didn't like me, then they're not going to like you. So just lower your expectations. For example, I was a father who, along with my sweet wife, raised three children. One of them is sitting right over here. And he would tell you, I didn't always like my dad. Listen, there were times I had to make decisions in my children's lives based upon what I thought the Word of God taught. And when I made that decision and the hammer dropped, I was not liked. And I'll be honest with you, as a father, that was a bummer to me because I love my sons. I love my daughter. And I want them to love their dad. I want them to think their dad's awesome. But there were some times they thought dad was awful. Because dad made some decisions that they didn't like. God has blessed me to, to be responsible for nearly 500 people every single week. And sometimes in a position of leadership, you've got to make decisions that aren't always popular. And, and that aren't always going to be liked by other people. And when they don't like your decisions, somehow that translates into the fact they don't like you. And I don't like that. Because I like to be liked. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And the fact that I was not sometimes liked by my, my children or sometimes I'm not liked by the people I lead. Listen, I don't wear that as a badge of honor. I don't brag about that. Because again, I want to be liked. I remember... Right after assuming the pastorate here, I was sitting in my office, and long, long time uh, members of this church came to me and asked me about an issue and wanted to know where I stood on this issue, and I explained to them very clearly where I stood on the issue, and they left the church. I didn't like that. But I couldn't tell them one thing and then have somebody else in and tell them something else. I had to be straight up honest with you. This is where I am on this issue, and this is how I'm going to deal with it, and this is how I'm going to preach it, and they didn't like it, and they left, and it was a bummer because they didn't like me. If you're going to live as a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can't always do the easy thing. 
which means that you won't always be right. So listen, just take a step back right now and lower your expectations. You can't be a faithful, fervent follower of Jesus Christ and be liked 100% of the time. You can't. So don't expect it. Lower your expectations. I mean, think about it. Jesus was perfect. I've never claimed to be the perfect father. I've never claimed to be the perfect pastor. And I've made mistakes that have, that have given people reason to dislike me. But Jesus never did. He never made one mistake. He didn't have one flaw. Every decision that he made was perfect. Everything that he did was right. And how did that work out for him? They killed him. Nailed him to a cross. If Jesus was hated and killed for being perfect, then we should expect to have some difficult times in our lives as well. So let's again take a step back here as a parent, as a leader, as a believer. Take a step back, lower your expectations a bit, and then do this. Understand the cause. Remember now, we're talking about hatred that comes from faithful living. We're not talking about a problem with a brother in Christ. That's another message for another time. We're not talking about a problem caused by our own sin. That's another message for another time. We're talking about people who despise us because we love and try to live for Jesus. And we don't do it arrogantly, and we don't do it pharisaically, and we don't, we don't do it in your face. We're just trying to live out our faith on a daily basis the best we can, and we're getting hated for it. Let me give you three reasons real quick why we can expect to be hated by the world. They're right here in our text. Number one, because they don't know God. They don't know God. Look at verse 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Look at chapter 16, verse 3. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. People who come at you because you live for Jesus do so because they don't know Jesus. Listen, they've not been changed by God's grace. They've not experienced in their hearts what you've experienced in, in your heart. They, they've not been radically transformed through the, the miracle of, of being born again, the miracle of salvation. They're still living in spiritual darkness. And listen to me, they don't get it. They don't get you. Amen. They don't get you. Let me share something with you that Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, a reference there to lost, unsaved people, when we walked in, and now he gives us a list, lasciviousness, that's unrestrained behavior, and anything goes lifestyle. Lust, in this context, talking about strong desire for anything sinful. Excess of wine, drunkenness, revelings given to wild parties, 
Banquetings also refers to the excess consumption of alcohol and abominable idolatries, participation in the worship of false gods. Paul said there was a time in our life when we used to live that way. Those are the things that used to characterize us. And I used to live for the weekends. And I used to be constantly on the prowl. Now, this, it was just who I was. It was the way I lived. It's, it's who I ran with. It was just our culture. It, 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 that's just my life. Paul said, but now they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot. And then he said this, and they're going to speak evil of you. They're, they're going to hate you. They're, they're going to say, oh, well, yeah, well, she's a Jesus freak now. Or he's a Bible thumper now. Or, yeah, he's a holy roller now. Or whatever the term is today. And they're going to they're cast all those aspersions at you. And they're going to call you all kinds of names. Simply because you don't live the way you used to live. He said... Wherein they, who's they? It could be your family. It could be your buddies at work. It could be your teammates. They could be any number of people. But they're just absolutely flabbergasted that you're not the guy you used to be. I mean, this dude, he's dropped the F-bomb like every other word. He doesn't even say that word anymore. They don't get that. Man, he was the biggest partier in our whole group. And he, he doesn't even drink a lick now. Which to that I say amen. But they don't get that. And this guy cheated on his wife so many times. And he doesn't do that anymore. They don't get that. And they're just, they're, they are just blown away that you're not that way anymore. And now they're starting to talk bad about you. Amen. It's real. It happens. And it's not that you're flaunting anything in their face. You've just met Jesus. They've not met Jesus. He's changed you. He hasn't changed them. So listen, listen real quick. Don't hate people like that. Don't look down on people like that. Love them. Have pity on them. Pray for them. Try to love them to the same salvation that you have been the recipient of. Don't get on some gospel high horse and start browbeating them with the Bible. No, no, let God humble you. And let God take you back to those moments in time when you used to live that way. You don't live that way anymore. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. I want you to meet Jesus in the same way that I've met Jesus. And I want him to do in your life what he's done in my life. The reason that people are haters is because they don't know God. Here's another one. They don't like guilt. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not known, they, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak, no cover-up, no disguise. 
for their sin. Listen, God has created every one of us with what we know as a conscience. One little boy defined conscience as something that makes you go tell your mother before your sister does. Others have described it as some kind of moral warning that, that goes off inside of you when you do wrong. But here's what Romans chapter 2 says. It says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So according to that verse, our conscience is that inward witness of God which either accuses or excuses our actions. Our conscience is conditioned by two things. Number one, it's conditioned by what we know. Some people say, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, no, because you don't know. You don't understand. Let me illustrate this way. Most of you will be able to relate to this. Let's say that you are westbound on Tucker Road. You just left Walmart. And you come to the construction area there, and you see those blinking red lights and even though you've been driving for 20 years and even though somehow you you stop for every other set of blinking red lights you ever see anywhere else in the united states somehow you just don't know you're supposed to stop for those and so you just roll right on through turn south on kansas and head to where you're going look in your rearview mirror and lo and behold there's another set of red blinking lights You know what those are for. And so the officer comes up to your window, and, and he or she introduces themselves. Says, the reason I stopped you is because you failed to stop at those blinking red lights back there, which means you're supposed to come to a complete stop, and then you go when it's safe. Well, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. And so you're my wife, and you go back to Walmart the next day. I swear I'm going to be buried in a Walmart parking lot. That way my wife will come to see me every day. And so here you are, it's the next day. If you roll through those blinking red lights again, you're going to feel guilty. Why? Because you now know that you're not supposed to do that. Our conscience is conditioned by what we know it's also conditioned by what you do if you do right your conscience gets more sensitive if you do wrong it gets more insensitive the bible calls it a seared conscience we might think of it as a calloused conscience so here's what jesus is saying in verse 22 everything was good until I showed up and started showing these people what was sin and what wasn't. And once I started teaching them, their conscience got sensitive based on that knowledge. And now they're feeling guilt. And now they don't like it. And now they're about to nail me to a cross. Why do lost people hate? Because they don't know God. And they hate because they don't like guilt. They just don't like it. Check this out. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, he said, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one, that would be those who are perishing, the lost, though they don't know God, we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other, the savor of life unto life. 
to those who are lost because they don't know God and, and, and just don't understand why you live the way you live. Listen to me, your life, you're, again, you're not flaunting it, you're not in their face, you're just living out your faith the best you can every day. Let me, let me tell you something, you are a nauseating odor to them. You make them sick. They don't like it. Your life of right living sheds light on their wrong living. And because they're being made to know what is right, they're beginning to feel the sting of a guilty conscience, and they don't like it. Haters hate because they don't know God. Haters hate because they don't like guilt. And then look at, at verse 23. Here's the third one. They don't recognize authority. He, hated, he, he that hateth me hateth my father also. And if I had done among them the works which, I, which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. People often wonder including myself sometimes, why a person would not submit their life to Jesus Christ who loves them and gave himself for them. And we wonder what's so hard about bowing a knee before somebody who loves you and wants to take you to heaven and so you don't go to hell. What in the world is so difficult about humbling ourselves in his presence and bowing our knee and asking for forgiveness and calling upon him as our Lord and Savior? I don't get that. And it's, it's, the, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. Why doesn't everybody make that decision? And it's because there's something in the darkness of every human heart that doesn't want authority. They don't want someone else ruling over them. They don't want someone else calling the shots in their life. They don't want to live by someone else's rules. They want to live by their own. And they see what's happened in your life. See, here, here, here's what they're thinking. Well, they can't do this, and they can't do that, and they can't do that, and they can't do that, and they can't do that. But what they don't understand is that God's changed your heart, and you don't want to do that, and you don't want to do that, and you don't want to do that, and you don't want to do that. It's not that you can't. You can still go do whatever you think and want to do. Did I say that? You can go live however you want to live. Amen. How you like that? Write that down. Put that on Facebook. Preacher Prater said that I can go live however I want to live. It's exactly what I just said. Let me tell you this. If you've truly been born again, you're not going to want to live the way you live. If God's changed your heart, you're going to want to live the way Jesus wants you. But they don't get that. They think it's because you can't. They don't understand it's because you don't want to. Because God's changed your heart. They don't get you. So they're hating on you. And so what do we do? Here it is. We're done. Always witness as the Spirit leads. Preacher, I got all this hating going on. I, honestly, preacher... All I'm trying to do is live out my faith on a daily basis. and All this hate's going on. What do I do? Just witness. 
as the Spirit leads. Don't be harsh. Don't be overbearing. Don't be pushy. But don't be afraid. Do it lovingly, but do it boldly. And here's, here's the good thing about it. We're going to have some help with that. Look at verse 26. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, the Comforter is the Holy Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So listen to me, church. Look at me. When the Spirit of God prompts you, and when the Lord opens the door, open your mouth and tell others your story. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. And share with them what Paul calls the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the story of his death, burial, and resurrection. And remember this, we plant the seed, but God brings the harvest. Our responsibility is to live out our life on a daily basis so that when we do have the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus, they don't laugh at us. What? Are you kidding me? You're a what? Dude, ain't no way. Honestly, my own private opinion, publicly addressed, I think that's why more Christians don't talk about Jesus. Because their life can't back it up. And so they ain't saying nothing. I hope that's not the case with you today. I hope you live your life in a way that honors God and affords you the opportunity that whenever the door opens, you can talk about Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed.